All right. So, last week we started a series. No, I'm sorry. Two weeks ago we started a series on spiritual warfare. In particular, techniques. And I was thinking about this for some time. And I was looking at a little bit of how armies over the ages, and this is ancient armies all the way back in ancient warfare, all the way up to modern armies, have used different techniques. It is interesting, though weapons have gone from, you know, slings and arrows to catapults to uh, longbows to missiles that find themselves, you know, uh, that go down shaftways and everything like that. Guided missiles and all this crazy stuff they have now. All that stuff, though those have changed, really, when there's engagement of enemies, one against another, the basic techniques that we're talking about have really stayed the same. And that's really an amazing thing as I was thinking about that. We originally looked at where war came from. And do you remember where war was first? Ooh, no. Because the first place that happened, first place there was war, was in heaven. Um, wasn't that thing like the great oh, was yes. the war where Lucifer and them rose up against God? Yes, and it is in uh, that particular war, and it says it, was in heaven, and it began against the dragon. It's in Revelation, talks about it. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And the dragon was defeated, and as he was defeated, basically it says, or sometime around then, he took a third of the stars out of the sky and wiped them out and was cast out of heaven. All right? So the right that he had to be in heaven was taken away. We talked about where he exists now, and there's multiple dimensions out there, a few that we know about. Do you know what the dimension that we live in? is called. It's the time-space continuum. Okay, so you can't get away from time in this dimension. No matter how hard you try, you cannot. You could take the arms off all the clocks in the world and time will still progress. Okay? You can shoot missiles at the sun and it will still... Nope, you could probably shoot the whole earth into the sun and it would just blow the earth up. <laughs> and we okay. would die. You can't, you can't stop time. Nor can you stop the way that f- the physical world is laid out here. Okay, We pick up stuff and move it around and we do crazy things with it, but in the end all of the laws of nature force equals mass times acceleration, okay, and gravity, and which is a form of that essentially, all of those things hold true and they don't go away within this dimension. That is not necessarily true in other dimensions, although we can't test those dimensions, but we know that the beings in those dimensions go in different directions and are able to pass in and out 
Okay, so there is a verse that we looked at where it is mentioned about the prince of the power of the air. Okay, I can put it with an E. That's cool. All right, made it up. <laughs> so the dimension that we that is talked about, all right, in the Bible is this thing that they call the air. That doesn't mean oxygen and nitrogen, okay? That means a place in which they exist. And we say, well, things vanish into thin air. Well, nothing vanishes here into thin air. There's always an explanation of where things went. Even if you blow something up, the matter goes into heat and turns into little tiny molecules, and it might break all the bonds in the whole thing. But it's still explainable. Beings that live in the air, okay, in the air with an E, to make it different, all right, beings that live there are not, they don't seem to be bound by space and time. Okay, how do we know that? Well, there are beings that we have seen because we have seen them in the Bible, whether they be demonic beings or angelic beings, okay? D demonic beings being the ones that fell with Satan, with the war, okay? Angelic beings being the ones that still stayed, all right? The ones that won the war in heaven. <clears throat> they seem to be able to pass in and out of these dimensions, they go into this dimension and out. In the Bible, it talks about angels opening up the skies and, and singing to the shepherds, right? Glory to God in the highest. Well, that's not in the sky, but they're unveiling a peak into a dimension. Now, they may be in heaven or they may be in the air, Physically, it doesn't necessarily matter where they are. Dimensional things are not, I can't go far enough to get there. Okay, I can't fly to heaven. We used to sing that. Uh, there used to be a song, can't get to heaven on roller skates. You roll it right past those pearly gates, right? Can't get to heaven in a rocket ship. No. Yeah, there's something about a rocking chair. I don't know, it's a whole bunch of things. Can't get there by anything physical here. You have to go to a being that's able to take you there. And God takes your soul. He may send an angel who is able to do that or personally come and get you. Um, but you don't know once you pass through, once you die in this place, you don't know where you are, right? Where to go, unless if God gives you that knowledge. I don't know how to get around in another dimension. I barely can figure out how to get around here. Okay? So, God has created other dimensions. Now, we think there's heaven, and there's also mention of the third heaven, which means there's a second heaven. Okay? There, are, there is a place called Gehenna, or a place called Hades, which includes not the, not the heaven as we talk about it in the future, but a place where people that die now wait until the new heaven is created. Um, it's paradise. 
And when God is all finished with this earth, he will, it says he will recreate the heavens and the earth. And at that point, we will go to the final place we need to be. But he could create a new dimension because he wanted to, okay? He's not bound like, oh, well, these are the ones I have to work with them. He can create what he wants to and do what he wants to and pass certain beings within and without, okay? So here we are. We're, we're in this warfare, and we looked at uh, a particular verse that said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and a whole listing of things that we looked at as ranks. So there are not only a place where there is a prince of the power of the air, but there are ranks amongst those who chose to battle against heaven. So there's an army, essentially. You put together that, that there is an army. And one of the biggest things, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, one of the biggest ways that armies have won battles... These are groups of, of soldiers, perfectly to scale, of course. And there are a lot of different ways that armies move, like traditional battlefield armies, okay? Two weeks ago, we talked about this. Armies come up and face each other, and this army says, I'm going to defeat them, all right? And so their goal is this. They move in a V formation like this, and that draws certain troops down. And then, as they're in that V formation, here's this red guy right here. They wrap around, all of a sudden, they wrap around this, and instead of one soldier on one soldier, now it's two-on-one or three-on-one, and they defeat. The idea is this. If you can break the line of soldiers, then you can attack on both sides. And this is called flanking. Okay, This has been done for centuries and centuries. The whole point is, if you can break the enemy line, then you can divide them, and the army is weak and you can conquer it because it creates a two-on-one situation everywhere where you do that. It has been used by hundreds and hundreds of generals, including by George Washington, used it in the Revolutionary War to fight some battles and win. Okay? If it was the Battle of Monmouth or something where it's more famous. But there are several where they do that. Now, sometimes this is miles where they draw people back. Sometimes it's on a shorter area. But the idea is to break that rank. And then we looked at that and said, well, what does Satan do here? How does Satan break the ranks of the Christian army, the people that believe? Okay, and... In order to do that, what is what is our rank mean? How do we stay in the same ranks? How do we keep our line here as Christians? Okay, that's 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 one thing we do. But what's the goal of going to church? 
to build your relationship, to keep your relationship. And as you do that, to keep the important things as unifying to you, okay? You create, what's the most important things we learn from church? Stuff directly from the Bible. What is God's biggest unifying thing throughout the army of God? The Bible. Hmm? The Bible. What does it teach? Faith is one big one, and there's one more big one. God is love. Okay, faith and love. Really, those are the unifying things. Christianity has hundreds of different nuances. Have you ever been to a church down south? Maybe not. Have you ever been to a church that acts very differently than us? And yet, do they believe in the same core pieces of faith and love? You can find Christian, really good Christian people who have those faith and love, true faith and love, not just some some meaningless piece, but faith in Christ as a Savior, personal relationship, and allow God's love to define who they are. That means no selfishness. That's an important one, because this is where we're going to have some trouble. Okay, So if we can keep these things then we have got a straight line as an army. Now, how do we get divided? Selfishness. Hey, good job, Abby. <laughs> That's excellent. So, something insignificant compared to these big core values gets in between groups. And all of a sudden, group A or group and group B say, well, I don't really think you're right on that. Now, what does the Bible teach about things that are differences? It says there are differences of administration. There are lots of different ways that you can worship or that you can do things But the core is, can we be selfless in what we're doing? Can we love? And do we have faith in Christ Jesus? That is where our faith is placed. If we can keep these things as the center, we keep a very good heavy front. When we begin to allow other things to divide us, rather than this to unify us, Then what happens? Satan marches right through and we're broken. In the last two years, can you name one thing that divided families, churches? (laughs) It could be a person... But more than that, there's something more than that. Because it's not just a person. Politics. <laughs> and it's not even that. Even within families, yes, politics. But there, what could have been used? 
happened. I'm not saying it's not something real, but they, okay? So aren't there huge differences where it's separated people? Some people shut right down. Some people said no way. And listen, when do we become weak? When we're separated. Okay? When we are not thinking about this, what are we doing this for? We are doing this for the faith of others, for the love of God. God put himself out there for us. Okay? And we have a mission. That's our mission, to go out and spread the, the gospel, right? And when we say, not important enough, we got other things more important than that. We start to break the ranks down. I am not saying that there are not choices and lots of different things that happened, but in general, anything that will break us up as a Christian faith weakens us and allows things to be defeated. That was one. That was week one. Okay? So that was one thing. Then we talked last week about some other techniques. All right? Uh, who was it? The Mongols? Remember that? What they do? The German army. So tell me about them. What happened? What? They weren't even there, right? So what did they do? They they brought in inflatable tanks. They got which is, their, like armaments and everything, and like clouds of blow and love and everything. Right. So they created an illusion, whether it was way back in the Mongols' age, okay, as they're going through. Mongolia and tying sticks to their tails of their horses so it kicks up the dust so they look like a big huge army so and they scare people. Even or they're using so they're using techniques to appear bigger and more powerful than they are. We've got more people, we're gonna take you out. Okay? And that is just a rider while you have the chance basically what they're trying to do. Now this, it's, it's deceit, okay? It's using techniques, all right, to appear more powerful or larger, really, or to trick people. Where you think I'm doing, I'm gonna create a diversion over here, right? And you look, and they all get ready to march against the tanks, and they, boom, they blow into the first tank and it goes, you know, right? And they're like, wait a minute, I think this isn't right. Meanwhile, they're marching in around them and taking back whatever they want, okay? So, that would be, you would feel really stupid, okay? As an army, right? So, what is the difference? Satan uses techniques, all right, to appear like everybody's doing it. Right? Everybody is doing this. Or this is where I am. Meanwhile, he is working the back door of some other way. He is 
very, very clever at what he's do has been doing. He has watched armies and watched mankind for his entire existence almost. All right, as long as mankind's ever existed, he has watched us, he knows what we react like, and he knows how to get us where our mind is thinking, I think he's over there. Oh, wait, no, Let's go over right here. And really, he's right behind me, okay? He is subtle and clever. He uses those things. So, today we're going to talk about Tokyo Rose. Tokyo Rose. You ever heard of her? No. Tokyo Rose was actually a nickname given to several different, about a handful, maybe ten different radio announcers. Okay. This was back in World War II, and with the radio announcers, just stop. No. <clears throat> with with the radio announcers, Tokyo Rose would play songs. And you're like, well, who cares, right? She's a radio announcer in Japan, coming out of Tokyo or other places, and they're broadcasting all around as there are troops in Japan. Now, who's listening? Everyone. Everybody. American troops. British troops. Because what do you do between getting ready to be shot at? Anything you can think of. Probably grab right. right. Including turning on some radio, finding a radio somewhere, getting a radio, and turning it on for some entertainment. Many, many, many troops, and this was a time in the 40s, they listened to radio at home. That's what they did, right? That was the entertainment of the time. So Tokyo Rose got on there, she played songs, and then she very cleverly started to um, talk poorly, first of all, about what was happening back in America. What? Put in suggestions, listen up, put in suggestions. For all of those men out there that are sitting there lonely, wishing they were home with their wives and their children, their families, that beautiful sweetheart you just left behind, I hope she's faithful to you tonight. I hope she's not leaving you for somebody else. That would definitely make people nervous if they heard that. And she talked and talked and did this 24-7. Put on these, this show. So she kept on trying to get those troops and get inside their head. And if they don't think they're fighting for something right, or if they think that things at home are going south, then they got a little bit more insidious about them. Like, okay. A lot of different things happened. They put up posters in places. Now, the Americans and the British and other countries all did the same thing. All right? They were trying to get in the other troops' heads at the same time. The Americans also were trying to get into the into their own troops' heads 
excuse me, they hired artists to put up posters. They put up posters in every train station, in every single base. They put them up in every small town in America that said, we need you to go work in a factory. We need you to buy war bonds. Okay? We need you to go and fight your part of the battle by bringing us scrap iron or scrap rubber. Anything, there was all sorts of different things that they collected, okay? And they did a lot of it with what you would call a propaganda campaign. Alright? So propaganda is what? It's like an advertisement to be something really good. Okay, so is propaganda true? Not always, and not all of it, all the time. Okay, so that, that's a good way to put it. It's an exaggeration to get something. What are they trying to do to you? Get you to go to war or start working on something. Or something. Like Rosie the River. Like, oh. Rosie the River. That's one of those ones. So how did they get women to go into the workforce? You are important. Look at her. She's doing it. They did many, many, many posters of women that said, if I could join the Marines, I would. They weren't allowed to. Okay? And then they'd show them doing something in a factory. Or they did these other ones where there's someone in a factory making a bullet and then there's somebody right underneath taking that same bullet and putting it into a tank out on some battlefield okay to make it like you are part of this you will make this you will help us win it's like yay i'm doing my part to help out absolutely and so it invokes something inside of people sometimes it can even cause pride what so pride is one thing okay there's one thing could be pride but there are other things. What else? What else could it invoke? Motivation. What kind of motivation? It's, it's going to motivate you, all of them, but some... What about the ones with, with the men? I hope your spouse is faithful. Fear. There's another one. Fear. What else? Okay, yep, yep, nationalism. Nationalism is another thing. What else? Or patriotism. Joy, okay. How about anger? Okay. If they did some things. Now, they were also very, very insidious, and I use that word, it's sly, and oftentimes Tokyo Rose or other things that they would take, they would send pamphlets. Okay? And they'd get them into places where American troops would pick them up. Stick them in their pocket and go back and read them. They'd have these crazy art artists do things. Some were totally inappropriate, okay? But oftentimes what they suggested was not only is your spouse unfaithful, but it could even be a Jewish person that they're unfaithful for. What? Yes. 
That is how insidious that it was. And they literally took their hatred of a nation, okay, and in, and in World War II, it was specifically put towards the Jews on that, but there was a hatred that they spread of people. And as you sit there with nothing else to do, thousands of miles away from your family and no way to contact them, you can only sit and wonder and have anxiety, worry, fear. Right? And so, might even so those are the things. That's what they wanted you to do. That's exactly. They wanted you to desert. They wanted you to leave. And they never fired a shot. Okay? Now, this is so powerful that the Americans began to do more and more of it and have done it in every single war ever since World War I. All right, they have spread pamphlets in the languages. And not only that, uh, I think when we were in the Persian Gulf War, they got, they got illustrators. And you said, well, an illustrator is an illustrator. People knew from that area that this is like an American-style illustrator. So they went and got people from the Middle East to draw those pictures, to draw the things that they wanted to do. Most of them were about giving up. They had pictures of big feasts. Okay, and During the Persian Gulf War, when there was Saddam Hussein was there, his troops, oftentimes it was said that the average troop that he had had an 8-ounce glass of water and two tablespoons of rice a day. And that's what they survived on. They were all emaciated. He had no money. He put it all into weapons to fight. Okay? So they what, they, what they did is got these pamphlets, and they took them and flew them over and dropped them throughout the whole place. And these soldiers would pick them up, stick them in their pocket, and they'd pull it out secretly. Somebody found them because they found how powerful these pamphlets were. If, some, if a soldier was found with one of these American pamphlets in his person, they'd kill him. Okay? Because you cannot get inside our army's head. You're not allowed. Yeah, these were powerful. Yeah, but what if you make them say, oh my God, what if they kill me next because I saw one of those So they, they carefully hid them. And they'd open them up, and what there would be would be these big pictures of feasts with them sitting around, lots of pictures of pineapples and all these different things that meant something to them, okay? They learned about their culture, and then they went right for, if you get taken by the Americans, it's better to be a prisoner of war by the Americans than it is to fight for him. And I forget the number. It was upwards of 200,000 troops or something walked out. I remember seeing pictures, and I was young then. I remember seeing pictures of guys walking out with guns over their heads. We're done. We give them up. Never did fire shots at them. They just, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them walked out and gave up because they thought they'd get treated better by the Americans okay, than they ever did. Now, the rank-and-file soldiers, if you're trying to get in their heads... That's what you're trying to do. Get them to desert or get them to fear or have anxiety, okay? This is a really clever, subtle thing. Yeah, if you call them to nothing, they're not going to have a kind of panic attack and they just take themselves out from the inside. 
Yep, they're looking for many things to trip people up. Okay, so the, the Americans got so good at this is that they put bombs together and they would open the case of the bomb and they'd pack about 10,000 pamphlets in this bomb. And the bomb, they'd go over and they'd drop it over top of somewhere where they knew where the people would be, whether it was just people in the villages around or whatever. They'd drop it, it would go down, and in a low place, it would explode. But it wouldn't explode into pieces, it would explode and fling pamphlets everywhere. So you get 10,000 pamphlets when you drop one of these bombs, and they'd be all over. They would do it. They did it in every single war, and they got better and better and better at it, okay? All the way through. They did it in the Iraq War. I mean, they've done it all the places that they've, they've done because this is so powerful, and this matters a lot. Now, as we draw this in, we're going to look and say, well, here's, here's what happens. Now, like I said, propaganda can be good or bad, it can invoke pride and it can invoke nationalism and that's what the Americans used it for oftentimes amongst our own troops with posters and things like that. Okay, But there's something called black propaganda and gray propaganda which is much more like those insidious things that we talked about that is meant to get inside the heads of a guy and get him to give up or to have no more will to fight. Be bad news. This is how wars are won. Not by bullets and guns. Okay? There's much more to a battle right there than there is right there. Okay? You have to be where you are going to fight this and decided you're going to fight this. So, let's go to John, chapter number 8. Book of John, chapter 8, as we look at this. John, chapter 8, verse number 33. We're going to read number 33 through... I'm going to get through verse number 47. Um, but let's read the 33 through 38 first, please. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And the servant abideth not in the house where the son abideth. If the son therefore shall make ye free, ye shall be free. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Alright, so here is where Jesus is being confronted. He's being confronted by religious leaders. And he draws a line in the sand that is very powerful. And to them, it is fighting terms. Okay? All right? 
So what he has said is, talked about them being children of the father of Abraham. Yep, yep. Oh, no, we're children of Abraham, and that's how we are legitimate. Okay? We are legitimate. And Jesus said, well, my father sent me to do this. I'm here to do what my father has sent me to do. I'm on a mission from my father. Okay? Now, at this point, they're trying to say, we have a, but we're legitimate because we are Hebrews. Okay? We are Jewish. We come from Abraham, and that's what gives us legitimacy. We know the truth. Abraham had the truth, and we are his children. Jesus says, you're missing the point. You are of your father, it's true. And I am of my father. And that's where he subtly in that last verse drew a line. He says, your father, okay, and my father, he made that. He said, you are of your father, it's true. Now, let's go to verse number 39 through 47, please. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You do the deeds of your father that said they did it. You be not born of fornication. We have one father to do God. Judah said unto them, If God were your father, he would love you. For I conceded proceeded born and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he said, Why do ye not understand my speech? Because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and a bull is not from the truth, because there is no truth in him. He speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a lie, and he is a lie. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. And any of you prove me guilty of sin, if I am telling the truth, why do you believe me? And that is what God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not God. Alright? So he has just basically said, if you were Abraham's children, if you knew what Abraham was really about, he was about following God. But instead, you have taken that opportunity and you have become so desensitized to what God really wants by claiming your father is Abraham and we can do what we want. We're right. Okay, you've, you've become desensitized. And through that, you don't even recognize God's own son when he's standing in front of you. You want to kill me. Your true father is the devil. Why is your true father the devil? Because he is two things from the beginning. He is two things. What is it? In that verse number... Murder. He's a murderer from the beginning. And a liar. A murderer and a liar. He's the father of lies. Alright? He's the father of lies. He's a liar. That's what you do. Alright? Jesus said, I'm here for the truth. And you can't hear it. He says, you, I, I'm saying it right to you, and you cannot understand it. Because you've been told so many lies. Alright? There is the key. 
Now, listen up. Listen up. You as a generation have seen more and more and more in your life. Now, we talked about Tokyo Rose way back when, right? The, the main way that they got communication back then, they got the radio, so many hours a day, and then they got newspaper, right? Books. That was it. They had to wait till the next day's newspaper came out, and if you were on the front, you didn't get any of that, okay? How long do you have to wait to get information today? Probably like a second. As soon as somebody can post it, right? And it don't even have to be anybody. Anybody can post it. Yeah, as soon as like anything comes out, it's already on the internet today. Before. Already on the internet. And there's already 15 people that have already heard about it before it even happened. Because they're listening in and putting things. Now, how much of what is on the internet is true? Probably we're gonna we're gonna say let's let's say this say like zero to a hundred. Where like, do you think on the scale zero percent true to hundred percent true on the like internet? Less than half. I'd say about like only like. What do you say? One like percent. What do you say? How much is true on the internet? Okay. Nobody says over 50. No. No? Over 50? Under 50, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. less than half of it's true, yeah. just I, by your estimation. I don't want to say 5% because anybody can post anything at really? any time. Therefore, not everything's true. There's a one word on like Wikipedia. It's yep. Not it's true, but then anybody can edit it. Lots of people can edit it. So there's motives out there and there are things. So how many of you spent time on the internet today? Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. If it's only 30 to 40% true, why would you? Do you have all the places where it's true? No, I was just bored. Yeah, probably not. Okay. I was just bored. So, I my so, here's what I'm telling you. If your estimation, we'll say 40% is true. I'll give them benefit of the doubt. You said one. And maybe that's right. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, 60% then of what goes by your eyes is not true. Fair representation, right? 60% that goes by your eyes, probably not true. Rough, crazy estimation out there. So, do you think that everything that goes by your eyes makes an impression in your head? Everything has about 85% of people remember like anything someone has Absolutely. Here's the thing, your brain and I forget how many things. It takes 100,000 images a second or something like that. It's able to process, okay? It's able to process things that aren't in your direct vision and view and focus. Your mind starts to wander out of nowhere. Now, you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily recall that on your, on your mind, okay? But there, it's in there is what I'm saying. It takes everything in all the time, and you're seeing way more. But I don't just mean visually what you take in, but the information that passes by you, it goes in. So if you were Satan, where do you think you might try to put some of your propaganda? 
in a place where everybody looks, right? <laughs> right? Isn't that what you do? Just like the bomb that goes poof and there's 10,000 pamphlets all over the place. He doesn't need to spend to put a bomb out here and drop pamphlets. You just literally just have one thing on the Because we are all picking up every day and looking in it. Nope, We're already looking at it. He doesn't even have to work. Because he's already done that work to get to the point where so how's he gonna influence people? Through anything. People watch movies? How many watched a movie this week? Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Some sort of television show or movie or uh, videos or something. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. This is our culture. How many of you thought in a movie, maybe there was something in there that I don't agree with, but I like the rest of the movie? Me? Okay. Do you think there is subtle messaging in a lot of movies? Maybe not even subtle anymore, okay? Maybe just in your face. There was this one show I was watching so, on TV that was speaking Japanese So if the father of lies is good at propaganda, don't you think he will use it? every way he can. And he's going to tell you and make you fear and make you hate and make you think, I don't think we can win this. That's his goal. Like every army that's ever done, any general that has ever been a good tactician on the battlefield has said, we have got to get in their heads to take them out. You can always infiltrate a spy that tells you what they're scared of immediately and just send that out. But he doesn't have to work at it anymore. It's all there and we pick it up every day. Just like that soldier that bends down and picks up that pamphlet and says, I wonder if that is true. And at late at night, in his mind, is thinking, I don't know if my spouse is really being faithful. So... So here we are in the midst of a digital war and you never even asked for it. You just live in it. That's life. You're going to get that information and it's going to be infiltrated in every movie possible. If he can infiltrate the places where you see things, where you hear things, and where you start to think about things, where you learn about things, if he can infiltrate all those places, then he's going to do a good job of putting in your head the things that are right. And he's going to normalize things that you would normally say, this, nothing, not, this isn't right. I don't agree with that. And yet you see it in every movie. It's pushed. It's jammed down your throat to the point you get to where it's like, maybe it is the way people live. Maybe, it, maybe it's okay. The idea is that he gets inside your head and he wants you, he's a liar, right? That's what he is. That's what Jesus called him, the father of lies. He will not tell you the truth. He is here to demoralize you and win the battle, all right? And that's what he wants you to do. Question God every time. Question the truth. 
every time to say, maybe it's just not right. So let's go to 1 Peter. Got a couple of quick verses to look at. So how do we battle this? To finish this, this up, you can't say, okay, well, now you're, you're in this war, and sorry, he's going to get you. No, that's not what you do. You say, how do you strengthen your troops? Here's how you strengthen your troops. Uh, 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8. 9 and 10, please. As they talk about Satan, what he's doing, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, 9, and 10. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, your as the uh, roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom you resist steadfastly in faith, knowing that the same applications are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Hold on for a second. The same afflictions are accomplished in everybody else. So the things you're battling with internally are the very same things that other people are. They're not telling you it because they're as embarrassed as you are about it. But that is what they're doing. They're battling inside. And verse 10. Chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Okay, so this is what God's purpose is. Even through all of that, He is looking, as you have affliction, and you're going to have it in this world, and as He's trying to get in your head, you're going to learn not to go a roller coaster. <gasps> maybe that really is true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's true. Maybe, maybe God really isn't saying the truth. Maybe, and you, you roller coaster. But as you mature in God, you begin to settle out. Where what you believe is true and what God says is true, and if all the evidence in the world looks opposite, because who's good at propaganda? The father of lies. The devil. The devil. If all the world looks like it's going the other way, you can say, but God has control. And he settles you. You're no longer the roller coaster. You go back down and he settles you and he gives you that just straight, flat, I'm marching ahead. That's what a good army has, is they can march into the midst of what appears to be a great slaughter and with their settled, I'm going forward. I'm here to battle. I'm here to fight. I'm here to win this. Okay? With that comes victory. Okay. Turn back a couple pages to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. What are we doing? Where is this battle? Think about this. The battle of propaganda or of lies that Satan does is in your mind. Okay, so what are we doing? This is what we're doing. Chapter 1, 1 Peter, verse 13, 14, and 15, please. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you live with your parents. But as he would have called you his holy, so be ye holy in all right. All right? You are called to be holy. He said, here, here you are. You are supposed to gird up your mind. And that means get ready to battle. Get ready to work. Get ready to fight. Be ready. And don't be caught unaware by propaganda that's out there. Isn't pretty much anything propaganda lately? Well... There's probably a lot of it. You just told me could be as much as 95% of what you look at on the internet, right? So it's out there, so don't let that. The point is this, not to say, well, never look at anything on the internet, or do look at everything, or everybody's lying. That's not the point. The point is this, trust in what God said, and be steady in what he says. That's why you got to put your head in the truth all the time. And go to him because it will make you, because your world will shake probably way more than mine did at, your, at my at, at your age. Okay, you are going to see things that I never saw growing up. You live in a different age. Be ready for the battle. You're headed off to college in places or in college. You will see the battle firsthand. You will be confronted with things. But the idea is to stand, stand your ground, not fight and argue necessarily, but first of all, that your beliefs are solid and they are, I'm a soldier, man, I'm marching through. I believe in what God says. Not because I said it, but because God said it. You look and you prove for yourself what it is. Don't look at me, all right? Prepare your mind for holiness. And holiness means I'm going to take those things of the world that infiltrate all the time in me and say, I don't want them. I want things that are good in my mind. So the last verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this is one you should have always on your mind because it can help you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, last verse we're going to look at tonight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue or if there be any praise, think on these things. How do you get holy? How do you gird up the loins of your mind? You're prepared. You're ready for battle. You're not going to be taken in by propaganda of the rest of, the, of whatever Satan's going to throw at you. I'm going to think about good, true things, faithful things, things of a good report, lovely, pure things. That's what I'm going to put in my mind. That's what I'm going to spend my time at. Not things that bring me anxiety. Not things that bring me worry. Not things that bring me fear, okay? Or hatred. I'm going to spend my time there, and I'm going to come out, and I'm going to be a soldier. And I'm going to believe God. Okay? That is the thing that you learn. Because you're going out to the battlefield, and so am I. You've got to be ready. Ready with your mind prepared. Of what am I going to fill my head with? And be aware. 
of what you're putting in to your head. Okay? Be aware of what you allow to seep in because it will help define you one way or another. It will help define you. Okay? That is propaganda in wartime, spiritual warfare. It is subtle. And it surrounds us. Like that bomb that blows up and spreads the pamphlets everywhere. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. On purpose. Be aware. Trust in God. Learn to stick together. Thank you very much. Have a good night.